Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Romans chapter 10, and we want to look at verse 17. But first, let's pray. Father, we come before Your presence to study Your Word together. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and to be our guide, to quicken us according unto Your holy written Word, that we may go forth, Father, as doers thereof and not hearers only. And Father, I thank You for thinking through my thoughts and speaking through my lips and communicating, dear Father God, the truth of Your Word to our hearts in a powerful way that our faith would stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, this is Healing Week. And once again, I want to remind you that classes are being conducted this week, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and Friday morning at 10 o'clock. Meetings are being held here, teaching on the subject of divine healing. And it'll bless you to get involved in these teachings. And tonight I want to also talk about the subject of divine healing in health and of course right on through the rest of the week because what we want to do is create an atmosphere that makes it easier for God's people to receive. And of course in order to receive, we need faith. In order to have faith, we've got to hear the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? And so tonight I want to share with us some reasons why some people don't get healed. Some reasons why some people don't get healed or receive healing. And the reason why we want to share some of these things is because in doing so we can help locate ourselves. In other words, find out where we're at. And once we locate ourselves and we can do something about making certain adjustments that we might have to make in order to receive from God. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about electricity. And I know if the wires aren't connected, it's not going to work. I do know that if the wires are connected, then they should work. Things should work. But you know, if the light bulb doesn't click on, and if you change the light and put a new light bulb in, and it still doesn't light up, then there's something that's definitely wrong. You don't just sell the house because the light won't go on. Usually, if there's a problem, you know, in the wiring and you don't know anything about it, you call somebody that knows something about the wiring and they come along and fix it on up. Amen. Amen. Why? Because you know it should work. Isn't that true? What about this? You ever walk over to your, your kitchen sink and, ladies, you turn on the, the faucet and no water comes out? Do you walk into the other room and say, honey, we've got to sell the house? Well, why? Because there's no water coming out. I can't cook and, you know, do what I need to do without any water there in the kitchen. And so I turn it on and there's nothing happening. Well, you know that it should happen. And so you don't sell your house. You find out what the problem is and then you solve the problem. You know, and you do things right and then water's going to come out. How many of you have a gas stove at home? You turn that thing on and nothing happens. Do you sell the house? Say, we've got to buy a new house? You don't even have to buy a new stove. Just find out what the problem is. And you can get that thing repaired. What I'm saying is when you know certain things should work, then what you do is you fix those things so that they can work if they're not working. And the same thing is true spiritually speaking. See, spiritually speaking, things are supposed to work. Prayer is supposed to work. Faith is supposed to work. Healing works. But you see, the idea is this. If something isn't happening, if we're not receiving the benefit, then we've got to make some adjustments in order to get things working properly. And when things work properly, then those things should work. Amen? I mean, that's pretty, you know, easy to understand. Amen. Well, so we want to share then some of these ideas so that we can locate ourselves, find out where we're at, and have better knowledge and understanding so that we can make certain adjustments in our lives so that we can receive 
our needs met from God. Now, one of the biggest questions when it comes to the subject of divine healing in people's minds is this. If God wills to heal everyone, then how come everyone isn't healed when they're prayed for? And you know, that question that they have in their mind that goes unanswered absolutely prevents them from getting any further in the things of God with regard to healing and health. But that is a question I believe that can be answered with a question. Very simple. If God wills to heal everybody and everybody's not healed when they're prayed for, why is it that if God wills to save everybody, not everybody is saved? Why? Does it mean salvation doesn't work? No. Salvation still works. Thank God. But there are certain reasons why people don't get saved. But it doesn't mean it wasn't God's will because God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that true? God wants everybody saved. But you see, when you carry that over into the realm of healing, then sometimes people get baffled and they say, well, you know, why is it that everybody isn't healed? Well, for the same reason and probably for some of the same reasons why everybody isn't saved. Not everyone who hears the word of salvation is saved and not everybody who hears the word of healing is healed. And I want us to understand when we talk about healing, we're not just talking about physical healing. We're also talking about emotional healing. Because, you see, we are emotional beings and we need deliverance in the emotional realm of our lives. And so let's take note of some of these things. And let's understand that God is in the saving business and God is in the healing business and God wants everybody saved and God wants everybody healed. And we should think that way. Now, it's understandable that it's not that way. Isn't that true? But we should think that way and we should believe that way. I really believe that there will be some reasons why people don't get healed that we'll never know about. Because the secret things belong to God. He's not going to reveal everything to us. In other words, why didn't Sister So-and-So down the street get healed? You may never know that answer. But I guarantee you when Sister So-and-So gets to heaven, she'll find out why. And you know, God's not going to disclose that to us and tell that to us. He's just going to talk to us about ourselves. Amen? Now, what I want us to do is begin looking here at Romans 10:17, and I want to give us the very first reason why many fail to receive healing from the Lord. And I believe it's the biggest reason. It's the biggest and first and foremost reason why some people fail to receive from the Lord. In Romans 10:17, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The number one reason is because some have not heard enough of God's Word in order to produce faith, a steadfast faith in their lives to receive healing from the Lord. Now, notice I said they haven't heard enough of God's Word. You ask your average Christian out there in the world today about this subject, and many of them have all kinds of varied opinions and ideas about it. And not too many of them are grounded or rooted in the Word of God. Most of it is tradition that's been handed down from one generation to the next. And they believe that way because they've been taught that way. Mom and dad believe that way. Grandma and grandpa believe that way. And that's why we believe that way. And they've never studied it for themselves. For example, it's just like an individual who has been brought up in a home that does not believe in speaking with other tongues. And you ask them why they don't believe in speaking with other tongues because... Well, mom and dad don't believe in speaking in other tongues. And where we go to church doesn't believe in speaking in other tongues. And the pastor doesn't believe in speaking with other tongues. And the pastor before him didn't believe in speaking in other tongues. And our whole denomination doesn't believe in speaking with other tongues. And therefore, that's why we don't speak with other tongues. Now, that's not a good enough reason. And they've never taken the time for themselves to explore the Word of God to discover whether or not speaking with other tongues is for the body of Christ today. They're just going on handed down tradition. And so basically they don't know enough of the Word of God 
in order for them, you see, to have faith to, to receive the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Well, you can't have faith in something that you don't believe in. And if you don't believe in it, how can you have faith in it? See? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I sat down with an individual who was taught that way, whose father was a minister who taught against speaking with other tongues, declaring that it was of the devil. And so when I sat down with this individual and I asked her, I said, well, why is it that you don't believe in speaking with other tongues? She said, because my father is a such and such minister and we don't believe that and we don't preach that. And uh, our denomination doesn't believe that nor preach that. I said, well, what do you believe about the Word of God? She says, I believe that it's true. I says, if I can show you scriptures in the Bible that show you that it's for you today, would you then believe? She says, well, I'm certain that I would. She says, but we preach the Bible in our church and if it was in there, if it was in there, I would know it. I said, well, let's just take a chance. And she said, okay. So we sat down together. I opened up the Bible. Showed all the scriptures pretending to being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And at the conclusion, I says, well, what do you think about it now? And she said, I never knew those scriptures were in the Bible. Isn't it amazing you can be raised in the church for years and never know scriptures that are in the Bible? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And so afterward, you know, she said, it's, I can see clearly that it's for everybody. I said, well, I appreciate, you know, you're saying that because some with your background wouldn't admit that so readily. But she said, I can see it and I can see that it's for everybody and I can see that it's for me. I want some time to meditate on it and uh, I believe I'll receive. We were down a little church down in Midland. And, you know, it was wonderful because the next, the very next service I gave an altar call for anyone who wanted to be baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And this girl, with this denominational background, she walked up to the front. I gave instruction. I said, and when I lay my hand on you, you take in a deep breath. That's the Holy Ghost that you're breathing in and you will release it speaking with other tongues. And this girl released one of the most beautiful prayer languages I had ever heard. Fluent. Not one syllable or two. I mean, she began to speak out with other tongues beautifully, fluently, wonderfully, and just stood there, just stood there for the longest time, you know, speaking out with other tongues. You talk about being blessed. I mean, to tell you, I, I, I got blessed too, just by, you know, witnessing it and watching it, just seeing the Word of God work. Now, I don't know about her trying to get home and talk to her father, who's a, a preacher who doesn't believe in it, but that's another story in itself. But what I'm saying is she didn't know enough of the Word of God. Can, can you understand that? Have you ever talked to anybody who says they know the Bible? Have you ever been there before? And did you say, well, do you know what Psalm 100 says? About coming before the Lord? And how that He made us and not we ourselves? Well, I know it's in there somewhere. Did you ever read the 103rd Psalm where it talks about He forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases? Well, no, not really. Well, I thought you knew the Bible. I, I, I thought you knew the Bible. You see, beloved, some think they know the Bible. Some think they know what the Word of God says. But in reality, many times they don't. And they've never heard the truth that makes them free. And it's a sad thing to know that we can be brought up in our churches today and really never hear what the Word of God has to say on major subjects pertaining to our lives. Our health, I believe, is a major subject, don't you? Absolutely. And so the first reason why many fail to receive healing from above, whether it be physically or emotionally, is because they don't know enough of the Word of God. Now, beloved, if you and I were honest, and I believe we are, and sincere, we probably ourselves don't know enough. There's a whole lot more for us to know, wouldn't you say? If you were to ask Smith Wigglesworth the reason why many fail to receive from the Lord, you know what he would say to you? Imperfect faith. What do you mean by imperfect faith? Well, faith is not perfect. Faith that's not made perfect. Well, how does our faith become made perfect? Well, 
the Bible tells us that we can grow in faith. And faith has got to come by hearing and hearing what the Word of God has to say on a certain subject. And see, if we think we've been made perfect in something just because we've heard it a few times and we know a few of the Scriptures, then we're sadly mistaken. We don't hear it enough, as far as I'm concerned. We don't hear enough about it so that we can continue allowing the Holy Ghost to quicken it and make it alive on the inside of us. Because it's one thing to hear it, and it's another thing to have it quickened inside our spirits so that we can live it. Can you see that? And see, in, in the natural, in the natural, naturally speaking, we get bored when we hear about the same thing over and over again. We want something new. You know why many get off on tangents when it comes to spiritual things? Because they want something new. Something exciting, something emotional, something, you know, spectacular. And as a result, they don't get enough depth in the truths that they already know. And so God wants us to make a change on the inside. God wants us not to get to the place of being discouraged because we hear the same truth over and over again or, you know, bored with it. He wants us to recognize the need to have the same truth quickened in our lives. And the only way that can take place is by us hearing it over and over again. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We've got to constantly be hearing what the Word of God says about something in order for it to become a reality to us in life. And so, once again, the number one reason why many fail to receive healing is because of not knowing enough of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, didn't Hosea say in 4.6, My people perish for the lack of knowledge? We don't have enough insight or, or, or knowledge. And remember, that's not just talking about intellectual knowledge. You see, sometimes we read that and just say, Well, I need to know more. We need to know more spiritually. Let me say that again. We need to know more spiritually. In other words, spiritual knowledge. You see, the Word of God is spiritually discerned, not intellectually learned. And if we just learn it intellectually, we'll have mental assent to the Word of God, but we won't have reality. We have got to learn it spiritually. In other words, it has to be spiritually perceived. And that's the difference between heart faith and mental assent. We can mentally agree to something, yet not have spiritual faith in that same thing. And you know as well as I do, that's probably one of the most difficult things to achieve. It's getting the Word of God from here to here that makes the difference. God's Word must get from here to here, from the head to the heart in order to produce results. You know, I, really be- I wish with all my heart that Mark eleven twenty three said this. You say to any mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your head. But believe that what you say will come to pass, you'll have whatsoever you say. Boy, it would be a big difference, wouldn't it? You see, you've got it up there in your head. We believe it in our head and, and that settles it right there. But it's got to get from the head to the heart. It said believe in your heart. It's got to get from here to here and that's what makes the difference. And so, once again, the enemy will do everything he possibly can to see to it that if we get a hold of any knowledge of God, it stays here, mental ascent. And does not get down here. Because once it gets planted down there, it's going to produce results and he doesn't like that. And so once again, a main and major reason why some fail to receive from the Lord is because of a lack of knowledge concerning the Word of God. Now, I've had people come and say, well, now look, brother, I want to challenge your teaching on the, uh, on the subject of divine healing and health. And I'll say, okay, what is the problem? And they'll say, well, I know Sister So-and-So who's been a Christian for 47 years. And Sister So-and-So is one of the most wonderful saints you've ever met. And yet this Sister So-and-So did not receive healing from the Lord. And you know, on occasion, I have met Sister So-and-So. And I would sit down and talk with Sister So-and-So. And in conversing and in conversation... You know, you can locate somebody just by talking to them. I can tell you right off the bat that Sister So-and-So did not know a whole lot about the subject. 
Can you understand what I'm saying? Now, is that putting down sister so-and-so? No, not one bit. She's a dear saint of God, loves God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, but yet has not been informed, has not been taught the Word of God on the subject. And you say, well, why? Well, for the most part, probably because she's been in church all her life and it was never preached much from behind the pulpit. Let's face it, most churches in America today do not preach and teach along these lines. Or if they do, they teach tradition. Handed down from one generation to the next. And so once again, Sister So-and-so is a wonderful person, a wonderful saint of God, but yet has never been taught the Word of God. And you know, the Bible says that we receive because we believe, not because we do good works. We don't receive from God because we're a good Christian. We receive from God because we believe to receive from God. And that takes faith. And so without knowledge, one cannot possess faith. Can you see that? And so no matter how wonderful the person is, without knowledge, that person cannot obtain or achieve faith to be healed or set free. As a matter of fact, you know, when the faith teaching movement started, it's amazing to go back and review and see how many people really had no understanding whatsoever of their authority in Christ. I'm talking about people that were in the church for years and years, 30, 40, 50 years. And I would sit down and talk with people and find out they've been in the church for over 30 years and did not know that they had authority over the devil. We're never taught that they have the power in the name of Jesus to drive out demons and devils. And you see, beloved, that's astounding. But yet, you know as well as I do, that's just the enemy at work. Trying to keep God's people without knowledge. Because if they don't have knowledge, they can't have faith. And once again, people get offended if you say they don't have faith. Now, when we say, you don't have faith, I don't have faith. If I'm not taught something in the Word of God, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, then I don't have faith in that area. I may have faith because I've made Jesus my Savior and Lord, but I don't have faith, let's say, for finances. If I've never been taught what the Word of God says about finances... If I've never been taught what the Word says about casting out devils, I won't have faith to cast out devils. If I've never been taught that I have faith to, to receive the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't develop that faith to receive the Holy Ghost. We've got to know what the Word of God says. And so, because of a lack of knowledge, many fail to receive from the Lord. And secondly, the Word of God teaches us that we are to live in the realm of love. Love is the commandment of the new covenant. Isn't that true? A major reason why many fail to operate in God's best for their lives is a failure to live in the realm of divine love. As a matter of fact, there was an individual who was mighty used of God in the healing ministry. Scores of people were healed and delivered under his ministry. This was a time when he would have crusades and go out and have tent meetings and all that. And I'm talking about blind eyes opening and deaf ears opening and all that. Miracles taking place in a powerful way. Yet the individual himself became sick. As a matter of fact, someone was told to go to him and tell him that if he didn't judge himself on certain things, that he would die prematurely. And we're talking about in his 40s. And uh, one of the things that he was to judge himself on was not living in the realm of divine love. The other thing was handling of his finances. And the other thing was his diet. Those three things. But the major one was he was not walking in love toward the brethren. And he was told unless he made a decision to begin to walk in love toward the brethren, he would not receive his healing. 
Well, the person didn't care what somebody else had to say and just continued on, you know, in his own way and died at an early age, prematurely. Now, see, if someone didn't know that, they would just think in their minds, why is it that Brother So-and-so, who was so mightily used in the healing ministry, you know, to lay hands on the sick and they recovered and deaf ears were open and blind eyes were open and all that, but yet they died at an early age? It mustn't have been God's will to heal him. No, it was. It definitely was God's will that person be free. But the person did not do anything about walking in the realm of love. Beloved, more than anything else, we've been called to live the love life. Isn't that true? As children of God, more than anything else, we are to make a decision to live in the realm of love. You know, many decisions have to be made every single day of our lives. And very often, we don't know what to do. You know, you can never miss it if you make a decision based on divine love. If you live by that rule, you know what will happen? The Bible says love never fails. It doesn't say love seldom fails. It says love never fails. In other words, decisions that we make to live in the realm of divine love will cause us to live in the realm of success. If love never fails, then we could also say that love is always successful. Isn't that true? And so when we don't know what to do, just ask yourself the question, what would love do? And then find out the characteristics of divine love and begin to live that. See, someone says, but you don't understand. This brother did that to me. That brother did this to me. Well, it doesn't really matter what a person did to you because you can't control what someone does to you. Make note of this. But you can control what you do to someone else. Isn't that true? You say, but you don't understand. If I were to treat that person with respect after what they did to me, Everybody would laugh at me and think that I'm crazy. I'd rather have people laugh at me and think I'm crazy and live in the realm of divine love and enjoy God's blessings than to try to get even with the person or think less of the person and get out of the round of love where I'm open prey to the devil. What about you? Where would you rather live? And, beloved, this is very true. Many of God's children are not doing anything about living in the realm of divine love. Now, I realize that living in that realm is not always easy. But still, it's a commandment. And God wants us to live in that realm. And if we would be made perfect, the Bible says, we're to even love our enemies. Isn't that what it says in Matthew 5? 48, be therefore perfect. How? By loving your enemy. See, one cannot be made perfect in love without even loving his enemy. So God is saying to us, I want you to learn how to live in the realm of divine love. Now, beloved, if we are to love our enemies, what does that say about those who are of the household of faith? My goodness. Amen. We're supposed to love one another. See? And God wants us to live in that realm. That's the realm where healing really takes place. As a matter of fact, when Brother Hagen is asked the question, how is it that you have lived in divine health for so many years? Someone might think he would say, because I have great faith. No, that's not his answer. He says, because I choose to live in love. He says, anyone who will experience divine health and divine life must live in the realm of love. You must experience a close walk with God. And the only way you can walk close to God is in the realm of love because God is love. And so once again, another reason why many fail to receive from God is because of not doing anything about living in the realm of love. We must do something about living in the realm of love so that we can live close to God. And you know, when you live close to God, He rubs off on you. And you know what? He'll not get you sick. He has no germs. He has no disease. He won't sneeze in your presence. 
You see what I'm talking about? You live close to God, you're going to experience all that He is. We must live the love life in order to live a healthy life. And don't forget it. And then when someone else comes up to you and says, well, I wouldn't take that. They got the better of you. You know, they got one over you. You just can sit back and chuckle on the inside spiritually and say, I know something you don't know. Praise God, I just love my health. I love my peace of mind. I love my well-being. And you know, it doesn't matter what somebody else does to me. I can't control what they do to me, but I can control what I do to them. I'm just going to love them anyhow. And praise God, as I love them, I know God's loving me. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, if you will show mercy to the other person, then God will show mercy to you. And to what degree you show mercy to others, God shows mercy to you. Under the merciful, He will show Himself merciful. So in other words, if I judge and criticize somebody else, basically I'm judging myself. But if I don't judge others, then I'm not judged. That's how you can miss a horrible judgment. Just don't judge others. Amen? And so, secondly, and it's right up there with the first one, they, they connect and go together. We have got to live in the realm of love. We have got to make the decision to do something about making love our highest aim and greatest quest. In other words, no matter where you're at right now in love, get yourself on fire once again. Get fervent in spirit and say, Father God, the Bible says you'll perfect that which concerns me and the love walk concerns me. And therefore, I'm looking to you to perfect me in that realm of love. I want changes to take place in my life. I want to make adjustments in my life so that I can live in that realm in a greater way. And as you do that, beloved, and you make your heart known to God, I believe you'll experience God's richest and greatest blessings as a result of that decision. And the thing I like about God is this. We make a decision to do what is right and it's as if we're doing it exactly right in His sight. Did you know that? See, making a decision does not mean you're never going to make a mistake. Making a decision is an attitude of the heart. And once you make that choice and make that decision in the sight of God, it's as if you're already doing it right now. Can you see that? And then when you fall or make a mistake or sin, all you've got to do is repent and say, I'm, I'm, you know, restore my fellowship. And He'll do that. And so, once again, see to it that you make a decision to do something about living in the realm of love. And if you will, you'll live in the realm of health. Thirdly, and this is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Did you ever notice that when you live and associate with people in a community who are of like precious faith, it rubs off on you? How many of you can say that's true? But if you find yourself in a setting, in a certain setting for a long period of time, where no one speaks the word of faith, and everyone around you is full of doubt and unbelief, how many of you notice that it rubs off on you too? And when everybody's down on life, and everybody is negative, it doesn't take very long before it hops over on you. Have you ever been there before? Okay. Look at these verses. In Mark 6 and verse 5, And he could there, that is in Nazareth, do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick or sickly folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages doing what? Teaching. Why? Because of their unbelief. Nazareth was a community of unbelief. Did you hear that? Nazareth was a community of unbelief. You know, you can involve yourself in a community of unbelief. I can involve myself in a community of unbelief. Another reason why many fail to receive healing from the Lord is because of being in a community of unbelief. In other words, everybody that they associate with 
is full of doubt and unbelief. Many have no idea about God's healing power. Many really magnify sickness or disease and don't talk good about healing. If you find yourself in a situation where many don't believe in miracles, many don't believe in healing, many don't believe in the power of God, many are overwhelmed by sickness or disease, if we're not careful, because of that community unbelief, it can affect us. It can also affect God's power from effectively being at work among the people in that community. Here we see community unbelief there in Nazareth. And as a result, he could there do no mighty work. That's amazing considering we're talking about the Son of God. But he could there do no mighty work save he laid his hand upon a few sickly. And that's talking about those with minor ailments. So you can see community unbelief can prevent the greater flow of God's power. It can rub off on people in such a way that the people themselves are low in faith. And once again, as a result, it affects them. See, we can be influenced by the lives of those we associate with. And through association, we fall to a lower level of belief. Our spiritual condition can be affected by those around us. So we've got to be careful to do what? That's why we're supposed to come together and forsake not the assembly of the saints and join ourselves together like this where we can have a community of faith. We can be of like precious faith talking about the great things of God. You know... You walk into this place from out there in the world, and all of a sudden, changes begin to occur on the inside of you. You can sense it happening as you hear the Word of God. You start hearing that God the Father loves you and cares about you. You start hearing that Jesus died for you, He bore your sickness, He carried your pain, and with His stripes you were healed. Your brother comes along and says, I thank God that Jesus delivered me and set me free. And I know His power is also available unto you. I side with you. I agree with you. I unite with you because I know I've been there. I fought the same good fight of faith. And you know what? I'm a living testimony. God has delivered me and God has set me free. And what He did for me, He's going to do for you. He loves you equally. You're His child just as I'm, as I'm His child. And I know that I know that I know that I know that God will do it for you because He's the same yesterday, today, forever and always. And He has redeemed you from the curse of the law. He has delivered you from every known sickness and every known disease. And you're free. So I just want you to lift up your countenance. And I want you to rejoice in the God of your salvation. Beloved, can you imagine with a community of people talking that way? Can you imagine if we all came to church talking that way out of that place? Can you imagine that? You know, when you're in Tulsa, it's different down south. I don't know if you recognize that or not, but it really is different down south. You can walk into the grocery store and people are talking about Jesus. Everywhere you go in that community, all kinds of people you run into are talking about the love of God, the move of God, the revival of God, the healing power of God. Everywhere you look, there are billboards everywhere. Rhema Bible Training Center and Rhema Bible Church. Oral Roberts University. Maybe center meetings tonight. Brother Doodad's going to be there. Come on, bring the kids. T.L. Osborne here down the street. We're having a revival service here tonight. Willie George is over here in this side of town. We're having these kind of meetings on this night. And you know what they do down there? Their activities involve church. It's not bowling night. It's not this night. It's not that night. It's always church night. If there's no place to go on Monday, everybody's lost. They don't know what to do with themselves down there. 
Where are we going to go? Somebody better have a meeting. That's the way it is. That's foreign to us. If you think about it, that's why it's easier to have seven-day meetings, you know, down there. In like, because everybody goes to church all the time. I'm talking about young people, too. I'm talking about young people. They're just on fire. They, they want to be in church all the time. There's always something going on. And they come from everywhere. And everybody just goes and attends and gets involved in the things of God. Seemingly, and I don't say this to be negative, but up north here, if we went on, on Sunday morning, we did our part. Say amen or ouch or oh me or oh my. I mean, think about it. And you, know, you don't even know it, but you're living under a cloud. Don't even realize it and think that this is the way it is everywhere. And well, it's not that way everywhere. I'm talking about on a Saturday night, you know, when, when younger kids like to, you know, should be out doing things or we think that they like to go here, go there, you know, to, whatever. We were down there on a Saturday night and everybody wanted to go to church. Scores of young people attending church on a Saturday night and then go on Sunday morning and then Sunday night and then Wednesday night and Thursday. If they had something, they'd be there, too. And they do it because it's their life. I want to say that again. They do it because it's their life. It's their life. For to me, to live is Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. And in that community, see, in that community, they feed on one another. Did you hear that? They feed on one another. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, we're, we're victimized by where we're at. understand that. You know, we live in an area, again, not to be negative, but that's to be, tr- be truthful and realistic, in an area with all kinds of denominations and all kinds of religious backgrounds. I one time went out and walked on the street and just, just said to somebody, you know, you can know that you're going to heaven. I never got chewed out from the top of my head to the soles of my feet in five seconds. I never got told so many words in five seconds ever before by anyone. And I worked in a mill. And this was a woman. I couldn't believe it. I mean, you thought I was, I was on the street and this was an elderly lady. And you thought, I wanted to rob her. She started pointing her finger in my face and screaming at me and saying, Don't you ever talk religion to me again. Don't. And I mean just shouting and screaming and, and doing all this stuff. And all I said was, see what happened was this, this busload of kids, this, the bus got into a wreck and some kids got hurt on the bus. No one died. And her comment was, well... I'll tell you what, what if some of those kids would have died? My goodness, would have, you know, you never know what would have happened and where they would go and all that stuff. I said, well, when people die, so people can know that they're going to heaven when they die. That's all I said. That's all I said. I got two ears full. What a community. <laughs> do, do you see the point? It rubs off on us is what I'm saying. And if, if you live in that kind of a setting, in that kind of, that kind of an environment, we've got to be stronger for ourselves. We've got to stick together. And we've got to be a louder voice. Can you see that? We've got to get the ball rolling, so to speak. We've got to change, make change, and be the cause of change. And once again, it, it, we feed on one another. And if we can just understand that and then see to it that we put ourselves in positions to be influenced by people of like precious faith, it'll do us a whole lot better because it'll rub off on each other. Amen? Absolutely. Praise God. Now, there are many reasons. Let's look at another one. Look at Mark 11 and 23. You're close by there. Now, don't think that I said everybody's got to go out and start their own community. <laughs> but it would be nice to start your own little community among yourselves where you can be with people of like precious faith all the time and they can encourage you to use your faith. Amen? Rather than speaking doubt and unbelief and being negative. What I'm saying is, beloved, our faith doesn't stand a chance if all we're going to hear is negative. You know, what we put in is what we're going to put out. 
and you put in doubt, you put in unbelief, and you, you know, feed on it all day long, at the end of the day, how much faith are you going to have? And so all the more, we have got to watch our associations, who we associate with. Now, let me say it to you like this. If you are emotionally having problems, you don't want to go among others that are having the same kinds of problems or worse. Because you'll feed on each other and off each other. Do you understand that? And also, you don't want to place yourself in an environment that is totally negative. Because if you do the same thing, the same thing is going to happen to you. You're going to be influenced by all that, and you're not going to be strong enough to rise up above what you're facing. And so, once again, I know I'm emphasizing that a lot, but God wants us to watch our associations. Watch your community. Associate with those who have liked Precious faith, it'll make a difference in your life. In Mark eleven twenty three, now I chose this because of the middle of the verse. Look at where it says, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Believe. I want you to notice the word believe. Do you know that some people are not healed because of what they believe? Because of what they believe. And it can be from the smallest thing to the biggest thing that we believe that could be wrong. In some cases, there are those that really believe that they could never have that kind of faith. And I've heard them say it. I just, I just never have that kind of faith. I'll never have that kind of faith that it takes to be healed. And they absolutely believe that. They believe that they can't. Or in some cases, and I've had people tell me this, they don't believe they're good enough. They don't believe they're deserving of it. Now let me give you an example. If someone comes to you and says, I want to, you know, I'd like to be healed, but I don't believe that I'm deserving of it. Are you just going to pray the prayer of faith for them? Or are you going to show them how that the blood of Christ makes them worthy? You see why teaching is so important, beloved? It is essential that we help people by teaching them the Word of God. Because if the, the wire that's disconnected is the wire of self-worth... Well, I'm going to say that again. If the wire that's disconnected is the wire of self-worth, low self-esteem, then before healing will take place, you've got to reconnect the wire. You've got to talk to the person and you've got to tell the person that, look, Jesus' blood made you worthy and deserving of everything that the gospel provides. You may not think you're deserving of it. You may not think you're worthy to receive from God. But I want you to know that God is not basing it on your worthiness. He is not basing it on your individual righteousness. He is basing everything He gives you on His Son. On His life and on His worthiness. And so the first thing that person has to be taught is that their believing is wrong. They don't believe that they're deserving of it. And so they believe wrong. And so we've got to help them. And we've got to reconnect the wire. And we've got to help them build up their self-esteem in Christ. And show them, look, you can receive because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed you and made you a new creation. And right now the Father sees you without spot and without blemish. And it really doesn't matter how anybody else sees you. What matters is how He sees you and are you ready? And how you see yourself. Because if you don't see yourself as being worthy in Christ, then your wires are going to be disconnected. You know, you've got to start saying, and so do I, if God will heal anybody, it'll be me. Why? Is that being full of pride or arrogance? No. 
No, because I'm a child of the covenant. Because He made me a promise. Because He told me in His Word that provision was already made. And so, I'm going to make some adjustments in my life, and I'm going to say this, and I want you to say it with me. In your own heart, in your own mind. God loves me just the way I am. He saved me the way I am. He loves me the way I am. And just the way I am, I can receive something from God above. But don't I have to achieve a degree of spirituality? Don't I have to achieve something better in my life for myself that I could could receive something from God? No. Basically, all you've got to do is accept. What do you tell someone they have got to do to get saved? Sometimes we use words so loosely, we don't think them through. All you've got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Well, you know, the same thing is true. All you've got to do is accept the fact that Jesus Christ is your healer and He bore your sickness and carried your pain. It has nothing to do with our degree of spirituality or holiness. I've got to accept the fact that I can't heal myself. I can't change myself as far as, you know, that physical condition goes. But I can accept the fact that Jesus did it for me. Just the way I am and just the way you are, Jesus did it for you. And if you can get a person to see that and accept that, you know what? It'll change them. It'll heal them physically and emotionally. You know, in some cases, people are unwilling, I should say, to accept the fact that God wants to handle their pressures and cares and worries and frustrations. The Bible says, cast all your care on Him because He cares for you watchfully and about you affectionately, doesn't it? And do you realize that most of the time we have emotional problems because we handle the cares ourselves? And beloved, we all should know that we're not built to handle those kinds of problems and pressures. Do you realize that the human being is not designed emotionally to handle stress? And the weights of the world are too heavy for our emotional beings. So listen, beloved. The person, all that person has to do is accept the fact that the Father God wants to handle his or her problems. And you know, if we would just take them and turn them over to him, it would lift the burden of stress and anxiety and worry and all that from our shoulders. And that person would experience emotional healing and deliverance and health. Amen. Again, we're talking about some reasons why people don't get healed. Because of what they believe. Some people don't believe they're good enough to receive from God. And you realize you've got to help those people to see that in Christ, they can receive. We want to help everybody. And we should all be taught these things so that we can help the next person. Can you see that? God wants you to help somebody else. And it's not just through prayer. Whether it was corporate, community, unbelief, Jesus went about their cities and villages doing what? Teaching them. Teaching them. What was He teaching them? How to be successful in life. And that's what He wants us to know. And so once again, we can believe the wrong way And our believing the wrong way will cause us to speak wrong. And instead of speaking to mountains and having them removed, we'll be building mountains. We're supposed to be mountain movers, not mountain builders. Think about that. We're supposed to be mountain movers, not mountain builders. And if we don't speak to mountains, they won't move. But I'll tell you something. We can speak to mohills and they will build up mountains. 
You realize that? We do that by speaking wrong about ourselves, about our own lives. How many times throughout the day do we say, I can't do this, I can't do that, and I'm not able to do this or whatever, and I just can't cast it over off on Him and all that. And see, what we're doing is building mountains. And as a result of building those mountains, beloved, we block out God's power. And so we want to avoid that. We want to start speaking the right things so that we can receive the right things. And so what we believe is very important. Some people believe that God makes them sick. Have you ever been under that kind of teaching before? If you have, would you kind of raise your hand? That sickness is from God. God makes you sick for a reason. Okay, many have. People who really believe that, once again, believe something that is wrong that disconnects the wires that need to be reconnected so that God's divine power will flow through their lives once again. If they really believe that God makes them sick, then to be frank about it, I don't think there's any cure for sickness or disease. I'll be frank, I'll go a step further. If God really does make people sick, and God enforces sickness in a person's life for a reason, then every doctor and every nurse would be defying the living God in trying to help someone get better who is under divine punishment through sickness and disease or even divine teaching. Chastening, as some think. See, sometimes we can be logical when it comes to the things of God. But I don't know why it is many throw logic out the window with regard to those kinds of statements. They will sit there and tell you, God made me sick. He put this disease on me. I know He did. He is teaching me. And I'll say, well, let's talk a little bit longer. They say, no, I can't. I've got to go to see the doctor. I have a doctor's appointment and I've got to go see the doctor. Well, my question is, why are you going to the doctor? Well, to get better. God made you sick, you told me in one breath. God wants you sick for a reason. Why are you going to a doctor? Beloved, on the inside of us, we all want to be well. Isn't that true? We all want health. And we all want to be well. And you know why that person is going to a doctor? To try to get well. That's why. And they're more concerned about being well than being in the will of God, staying sick. Isn't that true? And so you can see that this doesn't line up logically. No, God wants us well. Doctors want us well. And we work together to get well. You want to be well. And so people who have been taught that really are at a disadvantage because they're disconnecting important wires. Wires of faith and belief. Say it with me. God wants me well. God wants me whole. God wants me free. Uh, let's, my goodness, the time is escaping us. Whew. I want you to turn to Colossians 2 and 30. And I, I want to give us another illustration and another example of someone who is sick. Not because God doesn't want to heal them, but because of violating a certain law. I say Colossians. Well, I'm wrong. Philippians 2 and verse 30. Well, let's read verse 27. Verse 26. Start from 26 and read right on through there. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. 
But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.